Hello and welcome to the Excel Against the Odds podcast. I am your host, Sarah Berton, a chronically ill business mentor for business owners with chronic illnesses. I balance running multiple businesses, living with several chronic illnesses and raising my family. In this podcast, I tackle the complexities, everyday challenges and solutions of working with a chronic illness. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Excel Against the Odds podcast. I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by Andrea Hansen, who is a master certified life and mindset coach and author. Welcome to the show, Andrea. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. And would you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do and where where you live? Sure. I, as you can probably tell, I live in the States. (laughs) Um, I live in Colorado. And I am a master certified life and mindset coach, which means I work with high achievers who have chronic illness and I help them to continue having a life that they love full of if they want a career, if they want to live out their passions, if they want to do anything, but do it in a way where they're still keeping an eye on their health and they're not compromising their health in order to do these things. And so I help people with things like uh, calming their inner critic so they're not so hard on themselves. I help them to look at things like rest and self-care maybe in a little bit different way than they had before because a lot of the people that I work with are high achievers or you can call them former hustlers. Uh, I help them kind of step away from those older habits that make them just go, 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 and be able to create a life that they still feel is fulfilling and still doing some amazing things, but in a way that um, is sustainable. I'm also an author. Um, As you said, I have two books on mindset and chronic illness. First book is Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis. And then the second book is Stop Carrying the Weight of Your MS. Second book is mindset for sure, but it also talks a little bit more about that mind-body connection when you have a diagnosis. I am also the host of a podcast, which is Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis, where I interview brilliant people like you, who was on my podcast, that are doing just that, that, that they're living their lives and not their diagnosis and doing exactly what my clients want to do, which is still doing brilliant things with their business or their careers or their jobs or their passions or their travel or whatever it is, but doing it in a way that is sustainable while they're living with a chronic illness. It's the sustainability that is so important, isn't it? Because otherwise you get the highs and lows of living a chronic illness where you do well and then you crash because you're pushing yourself too hard. So that mm-hmm. sustainability focus sounds amazing. Yeah, it's so it's so essential because you're right. What Especially when, like I said, when you're used to being a high achiever, when you're a hustler, when you're in that frame of mind, you can go, go, go. And as we know, when you have a chronic illness, pushing yourself that much will almost always lead to some kind of a crash. And then when you're coming back from that crash, it's like you feel like you're reinventing the wheel. And so it's really essential to learn how to, like you said, even that out. So yes, we're going to have highs and lows. We're going to have good days and bad days. We're going to have, we're going to have a cold like everybody else every once in a while, but we need to be able to to make it so that those highs and lows are a lot more um, more neutral 
so to speak, instead of being such huge peaks and valleys that we have a really hard time getting back from. I think that is a brilliant thing to be able to manage. Mm. Um, and you have a chronic illness yourself. Are you? I do. Do you feel comfortable to talk about that? Absolutely. So I have MS, multiple sclerosis. I was diagnosed in 2000. So I was very young. And I was, at the time of my diagnosis, I was uh, in school, I was getting my master's and I had very big plans about where my life was going to go. I was going to go onto a PhD program. I was going to go into psychology and, um, have my own practice. Like I had 20 years figured out, uh, as we all do <laughs> when we're super young and in school. Um, and I was diagnosed in the middle of my master's program and I, what had happened, for a lot of people, um, I'm sure, sure you you know, and a lot of the listeners know, you have symptoms before you're diagnosed, and it's kind of they're kind of peculiar. And sometimes you go to a doctor, and they think it's something totally different. Uh, with MS, my my MS is what's called relapsing remitting. So you will have a symptom, and then it goes away. And then you're going to have a symptom and then it's go away. And sometimes symptoms are months apart. Sometimes they're not, depending on how active the disease is. And so it can be hard when your symptoms are things like random pain, fatigue, um, things like that, that aren't even necessarily that tangible. You can have symptoms like I did and just get misdiagnosed or the doctor's like, I don't know what's going on, or it goes away on its own. And you're like, great, I'm okay then, don't worry. Um, when I was finally diagnosed, I had something called optic neuritis, which meant my optic nerve in one of my eyes was inflamed. So I actually went blind um, and that got me to the hospital. And that's what finally, uh, it was, you know, you can't really argue with that. <laughs> something yeah, is going on. It incredibly scary as well. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I thought, I thought it was something totally different. I had coincidentally, I had kind of poked myself in the eye earlier, like I was doing something and I went to brush my hair away out of my face, poked my eye. And so I was like, well, maybe I detached my retina. I mean, I had no idea what that meant or <laughs> any of it, but I was thinking it's because I poked my eye. And so I, I kind of was thinking at the time when I went in to see my eye doctor, like, oh no, this is fine. And then that night I was in the hospital on IV steroids, talking to my neurologist, looking at my MRI and it was a very different thing. So, yeah. And that, but that was, uh, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of a whole, a whole new chapter. <laughs> I can imagine it must've been quite a shock to have that diagnosis at that age. And mm -hmm. it must have had quite a lot of impact, especially on looking at what you're going to do the rest of your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I knew, I don't think I had ever heard of MS uh, when I was diagnosed. It wasn't, you know, thankfully now there's been so much money put into research and there's so much um, focus put on it that it, it's more common to know about it. Back then it's, you didn't really even talk about it. And I, I certainly don't think I knew what it was. I just knew that it was a big deal because yeah, it took my eyesight for, for a while. And I have to say that I was able to, to regain it um, because thankfully there's treatments and there's therapies. And I got in pretty early after that started happening, but 
I, you know, very soon after that, I left my program at school for a while. I did end up going back and finishing my master's program, but at the time, it it changed everything. I, I was thinking to myself, I can't be a student. I don't have that luxury to be a student in grad school right now. I need to get a job. I need to get an income. I need to get insurance. I need to be able to have money to do whatever therapies that I think I need to do. It's, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot like the people that I work with, and I, I'm sure some of the people living in, or listening to the podcast, we are in that hustle, go, 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 like I will take care of it high achiever, I've got this, I'm tackling it kind of mentality. And I was using that same energy to figure out what's going on. So I was like, I'm leaving my program, I'm getting a new job, I'm getting an income, I'm getting insurance, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna look at all these therapies and I'm trying, right? It's like I was attacking it with that same veracity. Um, but you know, within that, my whole life changed. I mean, I started working, I was getting my degree, my master's was in early childhood disorders. So I was working with the little, little kids, like ages zero to three that had things like Down syndrome and autism and all things like that. And I left and I went to work in finance oh, <laughs> over wow. here in the States. And I don't know if it was, it was probably over there too. There was this big dot-com bubble in 2000 where like, if you wanted money, you go work in finance because there was more money than anybody knew what to do with. And so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've always been good with numbers. And so I was like, let's just go where the money is. But it was, it was just a complete 180 of like my entire life within probably six months. Wow. And I guess in the States as well, you do have to worry about health insurance, which is not something we have to worry about in the UK. So that's, oh, that's an added pressure, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm so jealous, especially so back when I was diagnosed in 2000, um, it was even worse because you had to be tied to a job to get insurance. Like there was not, like if you were unemployed, the insurance that you would be able to get would be almost non-existent. It was really oh. crazy. And when you did get insurance, you, you had to be very careful that, you know, every time you change jobs, you would change insurance because you would just have to go to where they were. And you'd have to be very, very careful filling out any kind of form, doing any kind of reporting on what's going on. Um, and that kind of meant deciding, do you want to report this? Do you not want to report this? What do you say? And you had to make sure every single thing was exact because insurance companies were just looking for reasons to drop you. And they could. They could absolutely look at you and say, you know what, you're your chronic illness is making the insurance go up. We are having to pay more to cover you. And you know what? You said on this form that you were diagnosed on the 25th. And on the other form, you said you were diagnosed on the 13th. That is a discrepancy. And that is a reason that we can drop. I mean, it was, it was wow. scary. It was very, very scary. Um, it got better um, because Obama came in as a president and he made it his mission and thankfully it is still around today to create a whole other um, marketplace for insurance that you could get if not only if you're unemployed but if you are in you know like maybe you're doing gig jobs or maybe you're you know you have a smaller company that can't afford insurance right so it made it so you're not quite so tied um it's still better to get it through a company but yeah. yeah, 
yeah. So insurance. Yeah. I mean, so jealous. That's such an, um, a lot of pressure for somebody who's got a chronic illness to deal with to then have to Absolutely. worry about having to work to get insurance and then having to fill out all the insurance forms all the time. That must be absolutely, absolutely exhausting. Absolutely. It was absolutely exhausting. It, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really hard, really exhausting. And hopefully that is, that is something that in, in having a new marketplace, hopefully that's something that stays because of course, every time there's a political change over here, which is every two years, uh, that's something that's always threatened is that it's going to be taken away and we're going to go back to where we used to be, which is crazy. Yeah, especially in this day and age, you think mm. it'd be going forward thinking as opposed to backward thinking. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't want to go forward. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and um, so what led you to starting your own business? Because obviously you went into finance after you were diagnosed. Did you, at what, at what point did you decide to start your own business? Mm. I was, so I was in finance for quite a few years. And while I was in finance, I was kind of getting... I guess just getting my arms around my diagnosis, right? Figuring out what works, figuring out what what doesn't, working, uh, you know, very closely with both my neurologist, my MS specialist, but also with people like personal trainers and nutritionists and all that kind of stuff, and just figuring it out what what works for me. Um, and then I, once I started feeling like I was kind of standing on my own two feet again. Uh, because when I was first starting to to figure it out, like my job was my job and I didn't care. Like my 99% of my focus was on my health and figuring out this MS. My my job was just like a placeholder to make me, to give me the, uh, the resources to be able to do that. And once my health started to get better, it started to stabilize, I started to realize like this job is terrible. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, finance is one of the most stressful jobs ever. And then uh, we were going into a big, there was a big bust, there was a big recession here in the States. Um, and again, I think it was worldwide um, in 2008. And I kind of read that and I was like, look, I can either, I, I, you know, I can either ride this out or I can do something differently. And so I actually first went to coaching because I thought um, it was going to tell me what I should do. Like it was going to tell me like what my next job is going to be, like what my next career, you know, is going to be. And I picked up a book and I read the book and actually I didn't even read the whole book. I read like half the book and I got halfway through and I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I went, the woman who wrote the book, um, the book was called Finding Your Own North Star by Martha Beck. And she was doing coach trainings. And I thought, okay, I got to go do this because this is helping me so much. And then when I finished with that coach training, I realized that, you know, the irony is like, that's what my next job is going to be, is to teach people what I had learned from her, originally trying to help myself, which it did, and then realizing I've got I've to spread the word because it's amazing how much this has helped me. And I did, um, I'm kind of famous for my changing everything at once moves. <laughs> I've done that quite a few times. And so I, yeah, so it's like during this this uh, big recession, I quit my job, started a business. Um, and I actually also got married and moved during that time period as well, because well, why not? That's a big change. <laughs> I know, why not throw that in there? Um, and so, yeah, and so that's when, 
I decided I was going to start start my own business is because I just couldn't I couldn't keep it to myself and I realized that this the job that I was in was not my lifetime job it was just kind of a transition job and that's the beautiful thing about running your own business is you can find your passion and really run with it whereas mm-hmm. when you're working for somebody else it's not always so easy to 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 find that passion and and put all your effort and energy into it so it's, it's wonderful when you find that that dream of yours and you're able to then work in it as well yeah Absolutely. It's really tough. Um, I think that people who are business owners have not necessarily been the best employees in the past. <laughs> like, doesn't mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure I, I had stellar performance, like I was awesome at what I did, but I wasn't a good employee in the fact that I was always looking at like, what's next? I don't love this. This is not where I'm going to stay. You know, I wasn't going to be the the person who stayed in that job for the next 30 years. And have you found that's different with your own business that you feel like you found where you where you were meant to be? I think so. I mean, you know, it depends when you ask me, right? It's for the most part, yes, I do because I love I love the flexibility. I love being able to do a lot of different things, right? Like I wrote two books. I started a podcast. I am early next year, I'm going to start an online course um, that talks about, that teaches people how to live your life and not your diagnosis. And I do, you know, for a long time, I did one-on-one coaching, you know, so it's, you can do so many different things and you have that creative freedom that is just so, so amazing. But, you know, yeah, there are times where if you ask me how things are doing, I'm screaming and thinking, I'm going to go work at you know, DSW, which is like this amazing shoe warehouse that has like <laughs> a thousand different pairs of shoes. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go work and and be able to buy a lot of different shoes at discount, right? I mean, it just kind of, sometimes we have those days that we wonder what the heck we got ourselves into. And then and most think, of the time I'm loving it. <laughs> I think with business, you have so many ups and downs as well, don't you? Because mm-hmm. you the, the buck does stop with you. So you you have everything on your shoulders mm-hmm. and if something's not going quite to plan it stops with you there's nobody else who can help or who can pass yeah. it on to it's, it's down to you so that, I think that's why you, there are so many ups and downs in a business yeah. and also you you are wearing so many hats as well um trying to do so many different things so some things are going to be easier than other things and I think that can also cause cause problems sometimes yeah I was just talking to somebody um for my podcast the other day and we were talking about how we were both in corporate uh before we switched and we were like man i miss that it department i miss <laughs> just like picking up the phone and calling and saying like i need a new keyboard great <laughs> thank you yeah. and i was like i even miss hr sometimes honestly <laughs> and tax tax department <laughs> yes yeah definitely <laughs> it can make such a difference can't it? having someone to out to to take that work on for you and I think sometimes yeah. in business we do try and do everything ourselves when we might actually benefit from finding somebody who can help with that IT um and or somebody who can help with the finances and yeah I think it's trying to get that balance right between doing doing enough but but also realizing you don't have to do everything you can ask other people for support yeah and then you know trying to find the other people for support I mean that's a whole other you know, subgroup of drama oh, yeah. in the business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it doesn't always work out, but uh, it's worth trying sometimes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's just it's just another hat that you realize like i said like i miss hr because being your own hiring and firing uh agency is that's tough sometimes too absolutely definitely and do you find that's running your own business works well with with your chronic illness can you find more balance doing that yeah absolutely i mean that's Honestly, on those tough days, that's the thing that stops me from going and putting in applications to go like wait tables again <laughs> or whatever, because I realize that I, and it wasn't so much when I first started my business. I feel like now I've gained kind of a maturity and a confidence in my business that I can do it more now than I did certainly when I started. But I can do things like say, I'm not going to have my first appointment in the morning until maybe about 10 o'clock. Because that way, if I'm a little bit slower in the morning, getting things going, I'm not forcing myself, right? I have that time. And if I'm not, if I'm doing well, then I've got a buffer, you know, I've got a couple of hours where I can get stuff done before that first meeting. And again, on the other side, I make sure that I don't, I, I tend to not do unless it's some kind of a circumstance, like I'm talking to somebody in a drastically different time zone. I tend to not do things after about five o'clock, six o'clock because of the same thing. And, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I was working for somebody else, you know, sometimes, you know, there's some days where you just all day, you just kind of feel wrecked. And that's just, that's just, how you feel. And so the output that you're doing in your business is going to be maybe a quarter of what it normally is. But because it's your business, you can move things around. You can look at, okay, what do I have to get done? What can wait? Um, You know, and, and you have the luxury of taking four times as long to get something done as you normally do, because it's a day that you're not at your tip top. Um, And so, yeah, and, and I don't think I wouldn't necessarily have that. I mean, I remember when I was working in corporate, I I was lucky that I was working in very small companies where we all had, you know, it was, it was kind of like family, like a corporate family, but I was taking a lot of time off. I was, and, and just, you know, for different things, like if I was doing an IV, if I was getting sick, if I had to go to the hospital. Um, and, if I was having a day where I didn't feel good, I was pushing myself to get up, get you know, get dressed, put on a suit, put on those heels, and you get to work. And even if I didn't feel like I was doing much at work, I had to sit there and act like it. And that wasn't that wasn't very healthy. So I do absolutely think having my own business has helped me health-wise, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. I think. Um... As you say about getting dressed and getting out of the house, that can just be absolutely exhausting if you're having an off yeah. day. Um, whereas mm-hmm. at home, you can just roll out of bed and turn your computer on and have a look at it yeah. if you need to, or or not if you don't have to as well. So uh, that yeah. flexibility can be amazing. Yeah, or get back to bed with your laptop and just kind of stay there and do your stuff. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you talked earlier about the fact that um, a lot of people you work with are very ambitious and mm-hmm. the hustle and all of that. And I've noticed that with a lot of people that I work with, there's a lot of ambition sure. out there, mm-hmm. um, which has to be tempered somewhat because of the chronic illness, because if you push yourself too hard, then it, there's going to be consequences. Do you have any advice around that, how to still be true to yourself and your ambitions whilst also sort of looking after yourself and your health? Mm. I think 
I think the kind of the short answer is understanding the difference between your desires and your passions and your ambitions and the way you get there, right? So I can have an ambition that I want to become um, a business owner, but I can still become a business owner without pushing myself to work 60 hours a week. I can still become a business owner working 10 hours a week if I need to, right? And so it's the idea of 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 what your ambition is and then knowing that the go, go, go hustle is that is a mentality, that is a vehicle, and that doesn't have to be the way you get there. And that's where that mindset comes in because it absolutely is a reframe it's a completely different mindset to get into, to not go out. And, and it's a habit, right? A lot of times hustling is just a habit. It's just what's been working for us and just the way we've done it. And so it can be hard to get to that point where you realize you can have, you can have a really fulfilling life. You can have a great business. You can have all these things you want without hustling. I must say, I think, um, a lot of it is society's expectations as well, especially if you have worked for a corporate organization, mm-hmm. you're used to putting pressure on yourself because that's a pressure that everyone puts on themselves and and you're following that. So to step away from that and actually reframe it has got to be so positive. Um, and and I guess there's some sort of acceptance as well, acceptance that, that you need to change, that there needs to be a different way of approaching work, um, but in a way that can be just as successful as the hustle can be as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially coming, if you, a lot of us have come from some kind of a corporate job and when you are looking at the corporate job, what is the measure of success? Even stepping back, what is the measure measure of success for that business? How much money it's making, how many customers it has, how much inventory it moves, right? It's all these big numbers. And when we get into our own business, the, I guess we can tend to look at the measurement of success as being how much money we're making, how many clients do we have. I remember when I first started my business in the very, very baby stages, people, some, I think in a genuine, genuinely curious way and others, I think as kind of a passive aggressive way. But the first question would be, how many clients do you have? And I remember that question just put me in knots because I was directly from corporate and I was still in that mindset of if you're not making money, if you don't have clients, if you don't have business, you have a hobby and it's not worth anything. And so when people would ask me things like, well, how many clients do you have? I would be, you know, I would, I would pretzel myself to try to answer that question. Now that question doesn't bug me at all. Um, not because I can say I have 50 clients, but because it's I can say it has nothing to do with that because you you help people in so many different ways. But back then I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get clients because I, what's the answer to that question? I'm failing already. I've only been doing this for two months. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think there's that pressure, right? And they're just they're just um, when they ask you this, all they're doing is reacting to this societal norms that they know, which is. If you're successful, you have clients. If you don't have clients, you're not successful and you might as well be doing something else. And so it's it's a lot of pressure that we can put on ourselves 
as well because it's indoctrinated into us very much so and yet as you say impact is so much more important than than the figures isn't it and and just Mm -hmm. how you feel about the work you're doing is very important as well it it doesn't have to be just about the numbers no and and a lot of us that have our own business it's a service-based business not everything is about clients and income right a lot of us have blogs that we write a lot of us have podcasts that we do or uh, just networking and talking to people or giving talks, you know, like I'll go out, I'll do motivational speaking. I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to say, I, you know, I have 100 clients from speaking in front of people, right? But it is something that you're impacting a lot of, a lot of people with. So it can be, it's really up to us to figure out what our own measurement of success is, but it can be hard because like you said, a lot of times we've been indoctrinated with this societal norm of what success looks like. And we have to do our work on that to realize that that is not, that is not sustainable really for anybody. I mean, a lot of businesses go down all the time too. Um, And we have to have that, like I said, that confidence to be able to say, okay, let's reframe this. What do I think is success in my business? Maybe it's not making a million dollars. Maybe it's just being able to sustain a lifestyle where you can look after your health first and foremost, right? Maybe it's having a business where if you need to take a day off, you can take a day off. Or if you need to start at noon, you can start at noon. That could be a measure of success that people outside don't necessarily understand. And that flexibility is worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Being able to listen to your body and adjust is just amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. While we're talking about society, is there anything you wish that society would do better in regards to chronic illness? Um, So much. Put you on the spot there. (laughs) No, I'm just like, how much time do you have? Uh, (laughs) I think that, um, gosh... I would say number one is having having a little bit more compassion. I think that people, and again, I don't think it's necessarily their fault because I think we're all kind of indoctrinated with these societal norms. And a lot of that societal norm is rooted in ableism. And so I feel like everybody even us when it comes to our own selves because i feel like that ableism within society has rooted itself in our our understanding and our mindset as well so they can be a little bit more compassionate um i think just everybody in the world can have just a little bit more compassion uh and understanding especially when so much of a chronic illness is not visible is not um, anything that you're ever really going to wrap your mind around. And so sometimes I will look fine. One day I'll be great. And the other day, like I said, I'll feel kind of wrecked. And I'm like, I don't really want to do anything. And having that compassion and not making people explain themselves all the time, because not all of us want to talk about our chronic illness every day. We just want to be able to have a down day or an up day and, and not have to explain it all the time. I think that compassion uh, would go a long, a long way into letting people just have their experience with their chronic illness and focus on their, their health and their healing. Um, but yeah, I think, 
I think there's so much in terms of just the ableism that's within our society that um, really can create more, even more hurdles than we already have with a chronic illness that we have to, that we have to get over. And so that's, I think one thing. one of many yeah brilliant <laughs> I think um I think you're, you're absolutely right because as you say it's it's hard living with a chronic illness and then if you have to deal with other people's um thoughts on that um and their misunderstanding it it makes it so much more exhausting and mm-hmm. and difficult to deal with so having that knowing that people are compassionate around you just really does make a huge difference it does and you know what let's let's get honest with that a lot of times it affects us so much because we're just as hard on ourselves as other people are and so when you get these vibes from other people thinking you're being lazy or you're faking it or you're just oh you're taking more time off do you really need it and uh do you really need that handicap uh spot because you're not in a wheelchair, right? It's when people are really hard on themselves, we can accept it because we are also hard on ourselves. And we also have those same questions of, is this my chronic illness or maybe I'm just being lazy? Am I really needing to take a day or two or three in bed or am I just afraid because I don't really want to launch my podcast because I'm afraid what people are going to say, right? We turn it on ourselves so much. And that does come from, you know, having that hustle culture in us, right? A lot of times we motivate ourselves by being hard on ourselves, but that in turn means that we're being hard on ourselves with our chronic illness. And when other people are hard on us as well, we kind of accept that and it becomes almost like this echo chamber, which is not helpful at all all. no not at all and do you think that if people aren't compassionate that actually that makes you harder on yourself um is there sort of like a link there possibly that that the fact that people aren't compassionate makes you think makes you question your illness more and your behavior more i do i think it is because when people aren't compassionate like i said they tend to match what we have going on in our own heads because if we had if we had that compassion with ourselves it wouldn't matter if somebody thought we were lazy, right? Unless, you know, I mean, unless it's it's someone who will, like a, like a boss or somebody like that, right? Then it gets into a whole, that's a whole different layer. But just, you know, Joe on the street, I think if we have our own compassion, it makes that blow a little bit less, but it's also, it's also really hard. It's really hard to go against that when other people are questioning us especially i mean these aren't always strangers on the street right sometimes there are partners there are parents there are siblings there are friends that are you know upset that we said we were going to go someplace and then canceled last minute or you know things like that and so it is it is tough when people question us because it can kind of make us question ourselves especially when like i said before is a lot of these things are kind of they're not visible, right? And so things like fatigue, things like pain, um, things like stiffness or anything like that, it's hard to quantify. And so sometimes having other people, especially people that are close to us, not have that compassion makes us be even harder on ourselves and question ourselves on in, in what we need to truly heal. 
Absolutely. I often find that I have, it's almost like imposter syndrome around my illness. And, and, and I'm oh, sure yeah. that's because I know that other people can't see how I'm feeling. So mm-hmm. then I start thinking, oh, maybe I'm not as bad as I think I am, even though I'm sort of doubled up in pain, but I do start right. questioning it. Yes. It's that comparative suffering, right? It's, well, I don't have, I can't complain because look at these other people there. They have it way worse than I do. Why can, why, why would I even say anything? And so yeah. we tend to, it's almost like gaslighting ourselves. Very much so. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. And again, that goes back down to compassion, doesn't it? It's, it does. it's compassion from others, but it's also compassion from ourselves that we have to, to really believe our own story and, and act kindly to ourselves when yes. we are struggling. Yeah. And I think that's why it starts with fostering that compassion within ourselves because as amazing as it would be for other people to have a lot of compassion, and there are so many really compassionate people out there, we can't change them, right? The, the, the power that we have right now is to change the compassion with ourselves. It's the only thing we can change, isn't it? It's our own mm-hmm. reaction. We, can't, we don't have control over others at all. So it is mm-hmm. our, own, our own reactions that we have to, to really think about and, and change. We can get angry with other people, but it's not going to change anything. It's it's what's within us that counts. Absolutely. And um, just going back to business, um, mm. if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're thinking about opening their own business, do you have any tips at all for them around how they would start and how to balance that with their chronic illness? Mm. Oh, gosh. Um, I love this question because there's so many. It's, I think, I think one of the biggest things that i did when i was opening my business and i had the i had the benefit of having the background in my school of having like that psychology background and like that's where i was going to go and then opening a business around coaching and so i've always been in that area of a very introspective type of a role and so i was always working on myself at the same time as working on my business and sometimes I would see that as important, you know, it was as important, if not more important sometimes to work on myself versus my business, because when we are working on our own business, it is so much of ourselves. And so you want to make sure like things are coming from that clean place, right? Make sure we're not being really hard on ourselves, making sure we do have that, that balanced mindset of being able to see, you know, sometimes it is that you're just tired and you need a moment. Sometimes it is that you're just having a lot of emotions because you're putting a product out for the first time and you're having a lot of imposter syndrome and nerves and you're scared. And to me, doing a lot of that introspective work made me capable of teasing those two things apart to see like, when do I push? When do I not push? And so I think that's a big, that's a big one. Definitely. I think I think doing that sort of work um, when you're running a business is important for anybody. But I think, as you say, if you've got a chronic illness, it's probably even more key because you have got that added pressure, added stress to deal with and mm-hmm. you need that extra compassion. So doing that inner work can make such a big difference and mm-hmm. it can really mean the difference, I think, between success and 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 not being able to continue with the business. Because if, you, if you're looking after yourself and looking after your mindset and everything, it can it can really help. Yeah. And I think also another thing I would say is boundaries. 
boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And I know when you're first starting a business, it's hard to have boundaries because we tend to think if we have boundaries, we're going to scare away clients or customers or business. And I understand that part of that is just comes with confidence. It comes with maturing within your company. But if there's a way to honor your boundaries early on and to know that you're not scaring away the customers, you're not scaring away the business um, because any customers, especially if you're working with a service-based business where you're very involved with your clients, any clients that aren't going to honor your boundaries from the very beginning aren't necessarily good fits for a business uh, with an owner with a chronic illness. And so I would say set boundaries around your time, around your energy, around your output, get, you know, we're not going to set them and, and nail it from the beginning. Sometimes it's going to be like set a boundary. Okay, that didn't work. Let's rework this. How can we make this better, right? Like you're constantly working on what those boundaries are. But I would say put boundaries at the forefront of your business. And because a lot of times we will back off those boundaries because we're afraid it's going to ruin our business. And so flipping that is so important. Definitely. And I love that because I think boundaries are so important, mm. particularly when you have a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And I think communicating your boundaries is really good as well. If, if customers know what your limits are, what your times, how, how long it's going to take you to respond or what your working hours are, then they're much more likely to respect that than if they don't. And and you can educate your customers to to work around you. And it, it, it builds a good relationship, I think, when you have those boundaries. Yeah, I do. Th I think that too, because it's a transparency that you have. And I think, again, especially in a service-based business, it's something that clients really value because it is a relationship and transparency and honesty within a relationship is always going to win out. And following on from that, do you, what's your thoughts on telling customers um, or suppliers or anybody you're working with about a chronic illness? Do you think that's a, a positive thing to do? I think I think my answer, my answer is it depends. I think if it depends on what your business is. So for me, I tell everybody, <laughs> like everybody knows what I have. I have a book about it. I have a podcast about it. So clearly people know, even though oddly, I don't necessarily talk about it a lot in my own business um, or even like on my day to day, it's definitely there. So people know, but it's also something where if you are having a business and you are selling jewelry, or something like that. If you don't want to tell people, I don't think you have to, right? I don't think you, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, forcing yourself to tell people because you think it's a good idea is not necessarily going to play out very well. I think we need to first and foremost be comfortable with our chronic illness ourselves and then maybe tell people about it if we choose to. But I don't necessarily think, um, I don't necessarily think it makes or breaks a business model, especially if you have your own business and you aren't comfortable telling anybody about it. I don't think you feel, I don't think you should feel like you should tell people. I know a lot of people will say like, oh, but it's marketing, it's your story, it's it goes a long way, maybe, but I don't think it has to. And if it's something that makes you uncomfortable absolutely don't do it in your business because the last thing you want is to make your business feel uncomfortable because you're pushing yourself to do something that you don't want. 
answer and I think you're right it's, your business has got to be your safe place hasn't it so it's it, yeah. it's really down to you and what your beliefs are and how, how you're feeling um whether you disclose it or not yeah I mean look I've had MS for 23 years right so I'm a lot more comfortable with it but when I first had it like the first five years for sure I wasn't telling a lot of people when it came to work now granted I didn't have my own business at that point but I wasn't telling a lot of people in corporate. I wasn't telling a lot of people because I wasn't, I was still wrapping my mind around it myself. Yeah, and I can understand that. Mm. Fantastic. And um, I have a couple of questions I tend to ask all my guests. Um, I hope you don't mind me putting you on the spot. No, though, but, uh, lay them on me. <laughs> do you have either a book or a podcast that you would recommend to the listeners around business or chronic illness? I, um, this is when I should say my own, but I'm not going to say that. I should yours. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think, um, as far as a podcast, um, it's, it's more, it's not necessarily around chronic illness per se, but it's around challenges. And I think it's, it's an amazing podcast. It's called challenges that change us. And, uh, it's by, um, my friend, Ali Flynn who's an Aussie and she interviews anybody. I mean, I've been on her podcast, so certainly people with chronic illness, but people who have gone through addiction, people who've gone through life-threatening circumstances, and then how they've come out on the other side as far as, right, how they were changed from their challenges. And I just love that podcast. I think it's inspirational. I think it's pretty uplifting listening to people's stories for sure. It sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to listen to that one. I'll, I'll be yeah. checking that one out. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. And and um, who inspires you? Do you have somebody who you particularly look up for, up to either mm -hmm. in public eye or, or, or in your private life that you would like to share? I think that, you know, as far as, as far as my inspiration, I tend to I tend to have different inspirations depending on like the type, like, like the different circumstances in my life. So as far as um, inspiration, when it comes to just fortitude and resilience, I take, honestly, I take a lot of inspiration from the people that I have in my podcast, people like you, whose stories are, are just phenomenal and full of the resilience. I take a lot of inspiration from my mom because she has been very, I mean, she's, she's gone, gone through it. I mean, we've talked about she's English um, and still very much sounds English and <laughs> is still very much English. And so she came over to, you know, she, she moved countries and, uh, you know, has had a lot of things in her life that she's bounced back from. And I, I find a lot of, of inspiration from that. And then, but then as far as work ethic, uh, you know, I'll, be inspired by like my sister as far as, you know, I mean, so it just kind of, I like to take different people and different things in my life and use them as, as inspiration. I think you can find inspiration in a lot of different places. If you just look around, I think it's, there's a wealth of inspiration here. There really is. And it's a lovely way of looking at it as well as, mm. as picking and choosing inspiration from various different people and I think it can really enrich your life as well when you when you see that from other people and and take it on board yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh well, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you, Andrea. And um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
And um, please, could you tell the listeners where they can find out more about you? Sure. You can go to my website, andreahansoncoaching.com, and that's H-A-N-S-O-N. Um, you can get my books. Uh, they are available wherever books are sold, wherever you get your books. Um, again, live your life, not your diagnosis and stop carrying the weight of your MS. And you can listen to me on my podcast, live your life, not your diagnosis. And all of those things are available at my website. And I also am uh, on my website. You can sign up for a wait list right now for my new upcoming online course which is gonna be coming out early 2023. And that's based on how to live your life and not your diagnosis. Amazing, that sounds really fantastic. And I'll be putting all the links to your website and your podcast and your books on the show notes. So if you didn't get a chance to write them down, then please do look at the show notes and take a look at Andrea's website and everything that she does. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Oh, thank you so much. I have loved this. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have a chronic illness and either run a business or want to, then come and join our free and friendly Facebook group, Entrepreneurs Against the Odds. To sign up to my newsletter or to learn more about how my business mentoring services can help you grow your business and make it work better with your health, check out my website at www.excelagainsttheodds.co.uk. Have a great week.